This is an ABC podcast. There were no Tongans living in Doncaster, so when the Tongans landed at our house and would have their umu and then start singing, the whole neighbourhood heard. Linda and I were really embarrassed by that, but we loved it at the same time. They've been described as the most beloved vocal duo of their generation, and they attribute their great success as singers to the fact that they did it together. I'm talking, of course, about Vika and Linda Bull, who grew up in regional Victoria, but never lost their Tongan roots. As singers, they seem comfortable in just about any genre. Rock, gospel, blues and roots, and they even recorded a song in their mother's Tongan language. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk to Vika and Linda Bull. Mum came to Australia in 1959 to further her nursing studies. So she was a nurse in Tonga and, yeah, she came out here to do nursing at Bendigo Base Hospital and she arrived in the middle of winter and studied, you know. Uh, she found it quite difficult to begin with, you know. She was cold and lonely and... But she found a family in Bendigo that embraced her and, and looked after her and and so she slowly began to, you know, make her way in Australia and eventually she met Dad. Wow. She really noticed how cold it was, didn't she, Linda? Yeah, I think what shocked her too was that she went to Bendigo, which is even colder than than Melbourne, a couple of degrees colder. And everyone was... And she couldn't believe how busy it was, how many people were at the airport and the bus terminal, how crowded it was, and she was quite lost. The pace. The the pace. pace of it. So the head of the... I think the hospital and the church came to meet her and they were really beautiful to her and brought her family, her sort of carer family with her. So she felt very, whilst it was, you know, alien, she also felt very welcomed here. Wow. Mm. And what year was that? 1959. 1959. That's a long time ago. And at the same time it was, you know, Australia had a white Australia policy in place. So, you know, alien immigrants weren't in... (laughs) They weren't welcome, really. You had to get sponsored to enter the country. And uh, so that was another barrier for her. But she was sponsored by a family in Tonga and that's how she managed to come here. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been able to enter Australia at all. How much of an influence did your mother and your Tongan heritage have on yourselves growing up? Massive. That's huge. Huge. Because Dad's Australian, so our father is blonde, blue-eyed. You know, his parents came from England. And the wonderful thing about Dad was that he embraced the Tongan culture and he really loved it. Soon after Mum arrived, slowly more and more Tongans came to Australia. So they formed their church and then they would come over to the house and have their umu and do, <laughs> sing their songs. Yes, yes. And, you know, and everything was sort of centred around that community and, and Dad loved it because he loved the singing. So, mm. he, you know, he welcomed the Tongans with open arms. So, yeah, we were raised half and half, equally both parts. Mum had the church. That was our Tongan side, you know, that we would have to go to church on Sunday. But other than that, every day of the week was just like a normal school kid. We'd go to school and we'd speak English and we wouldn't speak Tongan at home. But on Sundays, that was the day when Mum connected with her community through church and then they would all pour over to our house. So Mum and Dad had a good balance between it. So we got a very good grounding in both cultures. But the Tongans so different to the 
Aussie upbringing, <laughs> you know, in and so many ways. What was it like for yourselves growing up and going to the church, the, the environment and the feeling in the church? Uh, well, it was long it church. Was long. <laughs> Thomas Church is long church. Uh, the services went for a long time, yeah. Four was, hours? Oh, yeah. Wow, that's long. Uh, too long. <laughs> you know, and, and Dad would always complain because there'd be beautiful food, you know, to, they'd feast after the service. And by the time they'd finished, you know, praying and worshipping God, the food would be so cold. <laughs> you know, Dad, Dad would be like, ah, oh, you know. But people have to wait for the food. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. But... Really, the main thing for us was the singing. Mm. It was listening to the Tongan choir. And that was the thing that, that Dad really wanted us to hear and to experience. That's what he loved too. Yeah, that was his favourite part. That's what broke the boredom. Wow. Is the singing. Because it was all in Tongan. We were picking up as many words as we could in Tongan because Mum hadn't taught us how to speak Tongan yet. Yet. Well, she didn't speak it in the home. She thought she was in Australia. She needed to speak English. So she practiced her English as much as she could. She would do things like she'd speak to you. She'd go, Linda, Linda, I need you to go and get into the B-A-T-H bath. So she would spell everything so wow, she could. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so she's a really good speller. And, yeah, and she's got beautiful you know, be, be, language that, skills. Yeah. She does, yeah. And, and in a way that's kind of a regret for me and Linda because we're not fluent in our mother's language. We wish maybe that half and half of she had spoken a little bit more to us in Tongan because we did... We did pick up, you know, being that being young, you know, would have been much easier to pick it up. I only bought a Tongan language book the other day, trying to think I should really try and speak a bit more Tongan because Good on you. I better thought, late than well, never. Because, yeah, well done. Well, because you know, I, I would like to know more. Well, we did, we got the swear words. That's the naughty thing, you know. <laughs> like all kids, they pick up on the naughty yeah. stuff first. Yeah, and we went from there. That's <laughs> wonderful. I've watched an interview where the two of you talk about going to church and then feasting. Uh, with the rest of the Tongan community coming to your house, how did that shape your singing? Yeah, it, it sunk in. It definitely, what do you mean? Why are you laughing? Linda? Oh, I think, yeah, because it was so loud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, you know, Don, we grew up in Doncaster, which is because our father is, that's where he's from, Doncaster. His parents had orchards in Doncaster. His grandparents did as well. So that's where we grew up and there weren't, there were no Tongans living in Doncaster. So when the Tongans landed at our house and and would have their umu and then start singing, the whole neighbourhood heard. So Linda and I were really embarrassed by that. But we loved it at the same time, you know what I mean? Yeah. We loved that sound, but it was like, you know, especially and then when someone would die, the wailing would start. The wailing was very loud as well. And, you know, so all those sort of things sort of sunk in and we remember very clearly as children. But the singing, I think... And having them come over and, and play their ukuleles and guitars and their bread box bass and everything like that, mm. we didn't really know it at the time, but it was it was sinking into our brain. And it helped, I think, with our singing as well because I think we naturally, we just got it. We got that gene from mum, mm. you know, the singing gene. Yeah, I, I think so. And I also think just sort of culturally, because remember, we grew up in a very conservative sort of court. It wasn't a very mixed race. Street. Hey, street. So... From a cultural point of view, Vicar and I gave us a thick skin. It's just like, get over it. My mum sat us down and said, don't you ever be embarrassed because it's not embarrassing. It's a strength. It's a good thing. And Dad backed her up too because he said, yeah, you know, don't dive under the bed. This is a great thing that you'll appreciate later. Those kids don't have what you've got. 
and you'll realise it later on. So it made us realise, I think, that, you know, that was a good thing. Okay, we're going to stand out. That's a good thing. That's what we need when we're going to be musicians if we if we ever are. Not that we knew it then, but Vicar did. But later on I realised how good it was. Your parents made sure you went back to Tonga to know your culture. What can you remember about your first trip? No, oh, everything. How, how old were you then? Oh, nine. Linda was eight. I loved the diving off the wharf. <laughs> I loved swimming with the sharks underneath us. That's beautiful. I, I think it's a warm water, you know. Yeah. It was just diving into the ocean and it being so clean and warm and the whole smell of the place was completely different, you know, fires and the smell of cooking everywhere and... The roosters. The roosters, <laughs> yeah. Typical, yeah. I mean, the church yeah. bells and the singing in the streets with the choirs practising. Constant singing, constant Const- choir practice everywhere. No television. It's beautiful. The, pa- was- the palm trees, there was a lot of... I remember flying into Tonga and seeing the amount of coconut trees. It was like, yeah. wow, I'd never seen... Because there's no coconut trees in Melbourne, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, there are a couple in St Kilda palm trees, but that's all. But, yeah. you know, just to see them, to see so many, like covering the whole land, oh. that was something to behold as you're flying in. Yeah. The heat, the heat, because we, we went during the wet season, so that was very confronting because it was just yeah. so hot. The fresh hot bread. <laughs> the, the kids. The kids. I think, I think the, the beautiful... Children, you know, running around and... Carefree and everything. Carefree, yeah. You know, just just wandering around, you know, yeah. going around everyone's house and just popping in and... <laughs> you don't need an invitation, you just no. yeah. show up. Yeah. It's free. <laughs> yes. That is the thing that stuck with us, that freedom, because we were in primary school and every day was up up, up at seven, out the door, walk to school, yeah. routine, da-da-da-da-da. And there it was just so different. It was a gift from mum and dad to see... A way that our mother, it was good to see her relax. Actually, she really relaxed when she went back to Tonga. Wow. It was her first trip back for a long time. They'd never met Dad, most of her family. We, you know, it, it was a great introduction for us, our first introduction. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. How important was that for you, maintaining that connection, not only to land, but family and uh, your people back in Tonga? I think it was very important. Dad really made sure that he said, we're going back to your mother's country. We're going to stay there for three months because I want you to learn your mother's culture because it's such a rich one. Mm. You know, and, uh, and Linda and I just, we, we, we understood what Dad wanted us to. He said, look, you're half Australian, you're half Tongan, and so this is what we're going to do. And you're going to go there and you're going to learn the language and you're going to, you know. Learn the culture. Learn yeah. the culture, learn the custom. Because it's a lot different to Australian, you know. It's very strict. It's a very, it's very respectful. The children respect their elders. There are s- certain rules you have to follow that you know that we had no idea about. You know that completely different to the Australian way of life. It's a lot stricter, you know. And there's hierarchy mm-hmm. and and status and all that sort of thing. So learning all of that was like, whoa, okay, you know, like your brother's not allowed to sit on your bed and and all that sort of thing. It's like, why? What's wrong with that? It's like, well, it's just, just the way it is, you know. And, and we in Papua New Guinea, we are not, girls are not allowed to jump over food. Jump over oh, food. food. Jump over food. Yeah, yeah. Jump over food or jump over, uh, a sister is not allowed to jump over the brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some so unwritten rules, but yeah, yeah that, that makes you... That, 
That's what like same always, as us. Yeah. Like always, uh, you know, when you go past an older, you have to say, excuse me, that's just manners, right, to low. And then, you know, um, swimming with bathers on. Like when we went to Tonga the first time, we, th- we took our bathers and mum said, you're not going to need your bathers. Don't, no one swims in those. They wear T-shirts and shorts. <laughs> and we thought she was crazy. But yeah. but I think know. just, it was yeah, the modesty thing, yeah. covering up. Absolutely. You know, yeah. very important. And uh, it was eye-opening, but it was kind of like, okay, it's very cool, you know. It's yeah. like it's different, but and it's ju- and it's just the way it is here. We have to we have to respect that. And mm. and if if we ever tried to challenge it, which I actually did sometimes, you know, it was like, no, you can't. This is just the way it is. No just, means no. No means no. Mm. And what I found interesting too was like when we'd feast, you know, the um, elders or the the more important members of the family would eat first and then all the kids would come in after, you know. And that was when Inda and I used to like to eat, you know, with all the kids and and. But even now when we have dinner, and our children know this too, they go last, you know. <laughs> the, yeah. the elders go first, grandma goes first, grandpa goes first, and it sort of goes down the line like that. And they've learned that. <laughs> they don't jump in. And when they see other other kids jump in, they just go, oh, well, they don't know. You know, <laughs> they don't know the customer. It's just wonderful that, you know, you are just... They, you're maintaining your culture, and it, it, it's just beautiful to hear. Oh, thank you. Yeah. In little ways, whatever way we can. Yeah, whatever <laughs> way we can, yeah. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. I'm talking to the renowned musicians Vika and Linda Bull. Sisters whose mother moved from Tonga to Australia in 1959 and met their father in Victoria. The duo loved to sing, and at least one of them always knew she would pursue a career in the music industry. When I left school, I wanted to, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a singer when I was in school. I never really told anyone. I didn't talk about it, but I knew that I could sing. And I knew Linda could sing too because we used to sing together all the time. You know, we'd harmonise to everything on the radio, on the TV. I didn't really enjoy school. I just wanted to leave school and join a band. And mum said, over my dead body. <laughs> I didn't struggle and come to this country for you to join a band, you know. And Fair enough. <laughs> so I had to make a deal with mum. I went to business college and got a, got my qualification as a legal secretary and then I joined a band. And it basically went from there. And then I got Linda to come along with me. I said, Linda was at university studying to be a, a teacher and art, art, teacher. art teacher. And she didn't really enjoy it, so I said, come sing with me. And then it just started there. Yeah, exactly. So Vicky was always, you know, she had the the fire in her belly. She came out singing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I just copied her. <laughs> Little sister. As women, how difficult was it for you to break into this industry, the music industry in Australia? Ooh. And more to that, Islander girls. <laughs> well, like... Like I said, I think we didn't really think about it. We didn't it. think about it. We just did it. But the strength in the end was the fact that we were together because to to bust, you know, when there's two, it's hard to kind of come up against both of us. Vicar is also very fierce by nature and would go into bat for us if she felt like we were being taken advantage of in a situation where, you know, men would sort of talk over the top. I don't, they would. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to hide it here. They'd go, you should do that, you should stand here, you should do that. Or, you know, if they were too pushy, Vicar would stand up for us as one voice, but she spoke for both of us. I, in the background, would do that behind the scenes with um, our pay or, 
if I felt like we were being taken advantage of. So because we worked as a team and because we were always stuck together, that was a really huge advantage and we were generally treated very, very well. When we started those singing, you know, we, it was like everything. We didn't think about being Tongan, you know, the first couple of Tongan girls that broke into the Australian music scene. We didn't kind of think about that. It was just, you know, our, our thing was um, really just we just want to sing. We just want to sing for a living. It's singing is our passion, you know. If it can become a career, that, well, that was the aim. You know, the aim was to go into this and give it 100%. And that's what we did. We didn't worry about, oh, you know, being the first Islanders to be in a band that won Best Band or get an award for this or get an award for that or do, being the first in anything. It was just we just wanted to sing. We didn't mm. think about anything. That was the only thing on our mind, yep. wasn't it? Yeah. It's years later that we realised the impact that we had because we were on TV a lot. Yeah. And so yeah. we had, you know, young girls or or people come up to us and say, you know, that was really important for me because at that point I couldn't see anyone that looked like me on TV. That never occurred to us, but it was lovely. That's true because, you know, we used to watch MTV and there was no... Apart from Bob Marley. Well, not no, even before Bob Marley there were no black acts when we started watching MTV, you know. It was like, well, we're, we're all our people, you know. <laughs> Why aren't they on MTV too? I don't know. It just happened slowly, I think. Interestingly, Hilda, we never realised we were dark-skinned until we left the house. We didn't know that when, until we went to school. No one ever pointed it out. We we kind of knew when we go shopping with mum that people would sort of stare at us and they go, you know, we stood out at Doncaster Shopping Town, which is our local, you know, shopping centre. But until we went to school, we really didn't cop that awful racism that that you cop. We, 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 mum protected us out in public and then we were on our own when we got to school. You really shot to fame with the Black Sorrows. What impact did they have on your career? They brought us into the mess, you know, the, the mainstream. Before that, we were just singing around in the clubs in Fitzroy and where we grew up in Melbourne and St Kilda and cutting our teeth in our early band. But when we joined that band, everything changed overnight pretty much. They had a hit record and that put us on the charts. It gave us massive audiences. We toured the world eight times not just in Australia, but, yeah, I mean, we went to Norway, we went to America, we went to Malta, um, Sweden, all over Scandinavia, Scandinavia, a lot. And we toured Australia many, many times as well. So just travelling and and getting out there and learning how to sing in front of different people gave us an audience that still mostly kind of listen to our music today. The industry, it's very male-dominated. And uh, how much has changed since you started out? Oh, it's not so male-dominated anymore. There's a lot of female acts, you know, that are very successful. So, you know, it was tough in the beginning, but, um, you know, we were constantly surrounded by men, especially when we joined the Sorrows. The record company was all run by men. You know, management was men. Now we have a manager that's a woman. We build a record company with women are in, you know, have great positions in the company. There's women... um, in our crew, you know, so our band now is, yeah, all the crew were men back then. Now it's sort of half mm. and like our, our band now, it's like 14 people, seven are men, seven are women. Wow. And we didn't do that on purpose, Hilda. It's just the way it worked out because so many more women are involved in the industry now. Yeah. You know, in all sorts of positions. So it's wonderful to have lived that and sort of seen it change and evolve, you know, and a lot of mm. people doing amazing things, making beautiful music. A lot of girls, you know, telling their story and getting up and singing it and 
wrapping it and doing all sorts of things. And Yeah, more opportunities too because, you know, the social media and the way that the industry has changed, you know, there's, they can't be stopped. You know, they don't, they don't go, oh, you know, you need to go and put on a tighter skirt or whatever to get on, you know, to get signed to this label. No, nah, they just do it. It's good. It's yeah, better. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, it has changed, you know, the, yeah, the old days, the old-fashioned way of like, ah, oh, you know. You don't look right. You don't look right or, you know, yeah, you're not wearing the right thing or it's changed. It's different now. You know, even body shape, it's like. Great. Great. You know, if you put a, you've got a bit of weight, who cares? It's like that old, <laughs> yeah, you know. That, that should be the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the talent that should shine through. That's it. You know? That's it. Can you sing? That's you know? all you need to hear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can you play your instrument? Are you creative? I really yeah. like that fact that it's changed. I, I love the change in the music industry. I think it was, it needed to happen. We need to be represented evenly, you know, in the media. You've been to Tonga again to perform for the King. Yes. That's pretty special. Yeah, it was a great trip, wasn't it? Yes. We went back to make a record and we went and recorded the Mossy Mossy Choir and used used their singing on a record we did called Princess Taboo. And while we were there, I think it was the King's 80th birthday or he had a big birthday and it was the... Tonga was having a big weight loss competition because the King had lost something like 80 kilos and so uh, as an example to his people, because he's always been known as the, the King Tafahau Tapo IV was known as a big monarch. Heaviest monarch the heaviest in the world. Monarch. Yeah, and he didn't like that. He said, I'm going to lose weight. So he did. He lost 80 kilos. And then the country had a national weight loss competition because wow. the Tongans, you know, diabetes and... All yeah, the sippy yeah. and all the, you yeah, know, corned beef. Sweet food and Sweet import, food. imported food. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. So sort of trying to get the Tongans to go back to their diet, you know, fish and taro and yam. and So they had a weight loss competition. So we were there for that as well. So, you know, this day we went and performed for the king and then we watched the winner of the weight loss competition get presented with his prize and then they did a aerobics demonstration on the lawn and it was a fantastic day, you know, but it was nerve-wracking singing for the king because there was a whole protocol thing we had to learn. We had to wear the right costume, yep. you know, we had to, we all had, these rules. We was, had this beautiful garland. I remember this, sorry to interrupt you. remember right. the aunties made this beautiful lay, but it was a ceremonial one because it was the king. And it was, you know, it came from here down over our People neck. can't see on the radio. Oh, okay, but from the neck to just above the sternum. But it was beautiful flowers, but they attracted a lot of, you know... Insects. Insects. <laughs> <laughs> and we were trying to sing and the insects were flying in our mouths, but it was great. We knew what we were doing. Mum told... Mum had um, schooled us in how to perform in front of the king and... And, um, you know, all the things like don't be above him, walk backwards. You know, oh, your head, wow. can't, you can't, your head, your head can't, can't be higher than, than the king's. And so when we went to shake his hand or yeah. we had to, you know, head had to, we we always basically lower. had to be lower than him. And, mm. yeah. It was great. Wow. <laughs> I'll put on <laughs> insect repellent next time. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> he tapped his toe. Oh, yeah. See, that's the other thing too. It was like what to sing for the king. You know, so how do you choose a song? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So mum had to she she picked the songs. Mm. Was that in language or English? English, yeah. Mm. We hadn't quite mastered the perfect Tongan at that point, had we? No, we, we were, but but that did start. That did get the ball rolling. So we later on, after that trip, recorded a song, a Tongan song, all in language called A Killer Toa. 
And mum taught us that and we sang it and put it on that record. Mm. That's wonderful. We went back to our roots, our mother's roots, and tried to, you know, have the Tongan influence there. We we used language in songs. We used the, the rhythms and things like that. You know, we tried to embrace that. We're not sure if Australia was ready for it back then as much as it is now, but back then, we, you know, we kind of made a start and because uh, it was important, you know, cause, because people are constantly pointing out to us, where are you from? Where are you from? It's like, Australia. Yeah, but where are you really from? You know? It's like, okay, well, we were born here. If we had a dollar for every time. What do you want? To, okay, <laughs> mum is Tong and dad is Australian. So yeah. constantly you open your mouth. Oh, you don't have an accent. Yeah, we do actually. I know. You know, just little things like that. It's like always being pointed out to you. So when it's like, when it is point being sort of, okay, this, it's like, okay, then let's make a record that celebrates our heritage both. Yeah. And that's what we tried to do with Princess Taboo. Do you think there are more of a willingness from mainstream Australia to listen and celebrate other cultures now than before? Yes, there was definitely an audience for world yeah. music back then, a big audience too, but I think more so mainstream now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot lot more sort of well open to it, I think, you know, because you see more of it. Look at Sampa the Great, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah thank goodness. I mean, it's, it should, should, it's got to change, you know. You can't just keep playing the same type of music by the same artists. We're never going to get anywhere. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the world, it's, it's, you know, and Australia is so multicultural, you know. We've got mm. a lot of Africans living here now and, you right. know, they're bringing their great music and, you know, beautiful Aboriginal acts, you know, like Baker Boy and stuff and he's singing in his language. It's fantastic. Yeah, you, you know? don't need to understand what he's saying to you get know? the vibe. Because he's up there and dancing mm. and having a great time and, you know, and it's everyone. That's what, what it, that's what it should be, a celebration Exciting. Of, of everyone's culture and, and I think it's... Better now than it was then. Me too. I heard uh, you had an experience where you went in front of the kids, school kids in Tonga and you, you wanted mm-hmm. to sing and uh, they laughed at you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, like you. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Like you, you're well, well known, you sing, you're doing big things and no, yet the kids are laughing. No, no, why, why, why? They were made to be there, number one. It was like a school <laughs> excursion. They didn't choose to be there. They were made to be there. And we sang in the Queen Salote Hall on the same trip that we went to sing for the king, um, the next day, actually, and our grandmother was there and she, it was the only time she'd ever seen us, heard us sing, the one and only time. She never came again, much like the school kids. <laughs> but they came along and I think the music was so, uh, we sang so loudly. I think our, our attack and our delivery of songs wasn't sort of gentle as they thought it would be, and we didn't take long breaks, and so they no, were just. I laugh. think it was just completely different to different to any other experience they'd ever had. You know, like they hadn't seen a band stand up there and play like a rock and roll set for half an hour. It was just a totally foreign, new experience for them. So I think their reaction was to laugh. Yeah. They, I think, wow. they enjoyed it, but it was. Funny. It was funny for them. It was, and and so we were a little embarrassed, but then we're like, <laughs> okay, well, it's funny. So then we all started laughing, and you know, I think it was just foreign. It's it's a hard thing noticing in front of you know a thousand school kids laughing their heads off, like really laughing, <laughs> <laughs> not not giggling politely. Wow, hysterically laughing. Yeah, we kept going though. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's fascinating. My grandma was telling it was, them to shut it up. was fascinating. Fascinating, it, yeah. It was absolutely and fascinating. And that's not the type of crowd that you used to. And no way. These innocent babies, kids. <laughs> You couldn't, yeah, yeah. you couldn't get angry or yeah, upset because true, true. they were just kids. Thank you so much to my guests today, Vika and Linda Bull. Their amazing voices have entertained and inspired so many of us. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, we'll celebrate storytelling. The most essential person to pass those stories on are we, the women of the world. Mm. Because we are the nurturers of children and babies, you have to tell those stories. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented and produced by me, Hilda Wayne. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producer is Inga Stunsner. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol you next time.